Welcome today to the Carter Report and thanks for joining us. Our subject today is the most misunderstood subject in the Bible. Justification by faith. In fact, it split the church in the Middle Ages. Most people do not understand the truth about justification by faith and how a person is made right with God. This subject is the most important subject of the series. Welcome today to the Carter Report. Voices. Voices. Voices from civilizations long silent are crying out. What is the meaning of these strange symbols of divine prophecies? John Carter explains these mysteries as he takes the living word to audiences around the world. Join John Carter in this international ministry as he presents amazing truths from the astounding world of the prophets in The Carter Report. And I want you folk to do something now with me. I want you please to bow your heads and we're going to ask God through the Holy Spirit to come into the meeting and bless our hearts. Would you bow your heads with me, dear friends? Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for this beautiful Friday evening. We thank you for the great love of God. We thank you for Jesus, our blessed Lord, who came down from glory and died for our sins on the cross that we might go to heaven. Now tonight, Father, we're going to talk about the most important subject in the Bible. And I want to thank you for bringing all these thousands of people night after night. And the theater, Lord, is, has so many wonderful people here tonight who are hungering and thirsting to know you better. May your spirit be in the meeting tonight, Lord. May Jesus, through the Spirit, bear witness to the Word of God with power. Bless every person here tonight with salvation. For Jesus' sake, amen. Now tonight's subject, I believe, is the most important subject of the series because this subject tonight tells you how to be saved. And it answers the question, must I confess my sins to a priest in order to be saved? And we're going to tell you tonight exactly how you can have your sins forgiven tonight. Before you leave this meeting, you can leave this meeting tonight knowing for a certainty that you're right with God and that if you should be killed tonight, you would go home in the resurrection with Jesus to glory. Now listen to this. I want to set this meeting up so that you'll understand in practical terms what I'm talking about, dear people. I want you to imagine tonight that a man comes into this meeting and he is one of the biggest scoundrels that Africa has ever seen. This man is a murderer. This man has spent most of his life going around Africa and some of the states of Africa and he has been a terrorist. And many governments in Africa are after this man because of his crimes, because of his murders, because of what he has done. This man is as bad a man as you can imagine. And somehow tonight he's drifted to this meeting. But there's a reason he's come to this meeting. Not only is, is this man a, a murderer, a terrorist, not only is he a thief, but this man is an absolute profligate. He is an immoral man. 
This man, 15 years ago, married a beautiful girl who came from Zimbabwe. And this man had four children. But this man has been absolutely unfaithful to his wife. He has slept around. He has murdered. He has been a thief. He's been a liar. He's been a cheat. He's been dishonest. He has been as bad a man as you can imagine. And this man has not been faithful to his wife for more than a few days. As he has traveled around Africa, he has slept wherever he could sleep with any woman he could sleep with. But he comes to this meeting tonight because he's a desperate man. He is not as, he is not as proud as he used to be because three months ago he started to lose weight. And this man who has got a price on his head started to lose weight and he started to get some months ago an awful cough. And then he discovered after going to a doctor that he had a rare type of cancer. And the doctor said, I don't know what we can do for you, sir, but I think we ought to give you a blood test. And when this man who has come to this meeting tonight received the blood test, it was positive for AIDS. And this man has got another four months to live. And when he came into this meeting tonight, he came here because he knew the meeting was going to be on salvation. And he'd heard that the Spirit of God was working in these meetings. And so this man who is a scoundrel and who is now dying with AIDS is sitting out here somewhere in this meeting. And he knows that he is a ticking time bomb. Soon he is going to go off. He's going to die. And as he sits here, sitting here tonight, somewhere in this vast auditorium with thousands of people, he is sitting there and he is skeptical because he thinks it's all a charade. He thinks it's just a sham. And he's sitting here tonight at this stage and he is scoffing. And he's saying, I don't believe it. I don't believe that God loves me. How could God love a rotter like I am? I've done every sin in the book. I've been disloyal to my wife. I have the, the blood of hundreds of people on my hands and I say, God loves you. And he says, God can't love me. God can't love me because I'm a sinner. But as he sits here tonight, because we have prayed that the Holy Spirit would come into this meeting, dear folks, because we have prayed this, the Holy Spirit goes to that man sitting somewhere, sitting somewhere in this vast auditorium here in Africa, and the Spirit of God starts to open up his mind. And as I talk about what Jesus did on the cross, dear people, as we talk about the greatest act in the human race, that was when Jesus died. As I talk about this subject, this man, his heart starts to soften. And he thinks to himself, maybe, maybe, maybe there is hope for me tonight. Maybe there is hope for me tonight. And as I preach on, he says, Jesus, Jesus, look at me. Jesus, please forgive me tonight. Jesus, I come to your cross tonight. I want to tell you, tonight the moment that man turns to Jesus in true faith God forgives him for every sin you hear that 
God says to him, I know about your AIDS. I know about your immorality. I know about your sin. I know about your murders. I know about your cheating on your wife. But because you have come to me in true faith, I am going to take you home to glory. And that is what this subject is about tonight. It is not about the badness of our sins, my friend. It is not about the badness of our sins. Hallelujah. It is about the greatness of God. It is about the greatness of the grace of God and how Jesus can save from the guttermost to the uttermost. Hallelujah. And praise His name. That's what it's all about. So tonight... We're going to talk about how God forgives the sinner and I want you to notice every passage in the Word of God and to let the Holy Spirit talk to you tonight. Would you please turn with me to Romans 3 and verse 23, page 184 in the large copy of the NIV and in the small copy, 838. 184, Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. And the first question we are going to answer is simply this. Who needs forgiveness? Who needs to have his sins washed away? Is there anybody here tonight we're going to ask? Is there anybody in this vast auditorium? Is there anybody who doesn't need to have his sins forgiven? Romans 3, 23. The Bible says, God's Word says, and notice it, for all have sinned. How many have sinned, folk? Say it loud. All have sinned. And what does it say? They fall, what? Short of the glory of God. The Bible says that all have sinned. And the Bible says all continue to fall short of the glory of God. And that means you all have sinned. Now let's come over here to the blackboard. And let me put some things up here on the blackboard. The Bible says, all have sinned. That is past tense. And so the Bible says, we have all sinned in the past. But the Bible goes further than that. It says, all continue to fall short of the glory of God. You know what this means? Here is a great pit, and here are the flames of hell. When the Bible says, all fall short of the glory of God, it's like a man, he thinks he's making it over here to the other side, but the Bible says he is falling short of the glory of God. And, and this is not talking about past experiences. It is talking about us today. The Bible says all have sinned in the past. And the Bible says there is none righteous. No, not a single person. Not a single person. I want to tell you tonight, every one of us here, including the speaker, is a sinner standing in need of the grace of Jesus Christ. All are sinners. There are different types of sinners. There are sinners who are like the man who came to the meeting. 
adulterers and fornicators and thieves and liars and profligates, but those sins are not the worst sins. The worst sin is the sin of the self-righteous man who goes to church and doesn't feel his need of the blood of Jesus. That's the worst sin. I want you to come over here to page 96, Luke 18, verses 9 to 4. Luke chapter 18, verses 9 to 4, page 96. And here the Bible describes the worst of sins. 780 in the small copy of the NIV. In the large copy, it's page 96, Luke chapter 18, and verse 9 and onwards. And the Bible says... It's great to see the Bible's being turned. Turn up, please, I beseech you, every text in the Bible. Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. If you and I are going to be saved, friend, it is through the word of God. Luke chapter 18, verse 9. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and look down on everybody else. Jesus told this parable. Now here is the worst sin. It is not the sin of having AIDS. It is the sin of self-righteousness. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee. He was a high church man. One a Pharisee. And the other a tax collector. He was a man that they considered to be a bad man in those days. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. He didn't get through to God. He prayed about himself. He prayed about himself, saying, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, people who've got AIDS, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tithe of all I get. He was a man who thought he was a righteous man because he went to church. I want to tell you folks something tonight. None of us are righteous because we go to church. Because none of us have any righteousness in our own. The Bible says we fall short of the glory of God. The worst sin is the sin of the Christian who thinks he's better than other people. That's the worst sin. It's true. That is the worst sin. That is the most incurable disease because the self-righteous man does not feel his need of the grace of God. And so he prays to himself and he says, God, I'm glad I'm not like other men are, these adulterers. Verse 13, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat on his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus says, I tell you, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Listen, friend, listen, listen to me. The man who got saved in that parable was not the man who went to church. Not the man who paid his tithe, not the man who fasted, but the man who felt his need of the grace of God. And I want to say tonight, I want to say tonight, if you're sitting out here in this great auditorium in Harare, Zimbabwe, Africa, and if you're sitting here and if you're saying, 
I have been an Anglican 40 years. I don't sin. I don't need the grace of God. I want to tell you this message is not going to help you unless somehow a miracle happens to you so you can see yourself as you really are. If there's an Adventist sitting here tonight and you say, I keep the Sabbath and I pay my tithes and I do all these good things, therefore God must accept me. That righteousness stinks in the nostrils of Almighty God. I want to say if there are Presbyterians or Salvation Army people or Baptist people here tonight, we are not going to be saved because we are Baptists or Pentecostals or Salvation Army people. We are going to be saved not because of our church, but because of Jesus. That's the only way, folk. The Bible says all have sinned. The evidence of our sinners everywhere. It is seen in lust and hate and bitterness and looking down on other people. It is seen in our attitudes as well as our actions. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Did you know that? I want you to say it with me. The wages of sin is death. You know, sin is like AIDS. It invades the tissues of the soul. It seeps into the bones. It goes all through the system and it always causes death if you hold on to your sin my friend it is going to kill you if there's a person sitting here tonight I don't know who you are but there's a person here tonight and you're in a state of sin if you die tonight, you are going to be lost. Sin causes death. It is like AIDS, but it is unlike AIDS because with AIDS there is no cure. With AIDS there is no cure. With AIDS there is no cure. But I want to tell you there is a cure for the sickness of sin. There is a cure for the disease of sin. And that cure is found in the precious blood of Jesus. You hear that? There is a cure. The hymn writer said, There's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. Only way you can be saved is through the blood of Jesus. I want you to come to page 218 to 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21 says, God made him, that's Jesus who knew no sin. Jesus was the only sinless man who has ever lived. Jesus was affected by our sins, but not infected with them. Thank God for that. And the Bible says, God made him who had no sin. What does it say, folk? Tell me, my friends. To be what? To be sin 
for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I'm going to come over here to the blackboard and I'm going to put up the most profound truth that you are ever going to hear in your life. There is nothing more important than this. This is the story of the atonement. This is the story of the cross of Jesus Christ. And everything about my salvation hinges on the cross of Jesus Christ. On this side of the cross, we are going to put Jesus. Jesus, our Savior. And on the other side of the cross, we are going to put us. Let's put us over here. You and me, every person who has ever lived on the face of the earth. Over on this side, Jesus was and is sinless. Look upon Jesus. Sinless is he. Jesus, my brother, my sister, is the sinless, holy Son of God. Nobody like him, friend. Jesus is the sinless one. What about us? Are we sinless or are we sinful? The Bible says all have sinned. Therefore, we are sinful. The Bible says that Jesus was guiltless because he was sinless. And because we are sinful, we are guilty. We are guilty before God. We stand in the sight of a holy God and we are guilty. And the Bible says because Jesus was sinless, because Jesus was guiltless, because he was God, Jesus shared everlasting life in communion with his Father. And the Bible says because we are sinful and because we are guilty, the Bible says our fate is eternal, everlasting death because we have turned away from God. That's what the Bible teaches. But listen to this. The Bible says, John Carter didn't say it. I wish I had said it. But the Bible says that God the Father, the righteous judge, made Jesus Christ the sinless Holy Son of God to be sin for us. Listen, folk. On the cross, This is such a wonderful subject. On the cross, Jesus came over here. Jesus came over here, and Jesus took our place on the cross. And in the sight of a righteous and a holy God, Jesus became in the sight of God, sinful and guilty and tasted eternal death. And that is why when Jesus was hanging on the cross, and I can't explain this because I don't have the words, but I pray tonight that the Holy Spirit will show it to you in spite of these stumbling lips. God the Father imputed the sin of the world to Jesus and when Jesus, even before he got to the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was down on his knees, the Bible says, as he was bearing our sin, the Bible says, he sweat as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground, being in an agony. And when Jesus got on the cross, the clouds came down around Jesus, 
And Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me, God? Why have you turned your face from me? I'm still your son. But Jesus, as he hung on the cross, could not see through the portals of the tomb. Jesus felt because he had become in the sight of God one with us. Jesus felt that his separation was going to be eternal. And he cried out and said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus did not die as a Christian. Jesus died as a lost damn soul you know why because he loves you because he wants you to be saved Jesus went through the hell of separation from God he went through the experience of the second death so that you and I through faith in Him, might be accounted sinless, guiltless, and have everlasting life, not because we deserve it, but thank God because His cross earned it for us. Thank God for the cross. Thank God for the cross. The greatest teaching in the Bible, my Christian friend, is the story of the cross of Jesus.